Connection is the energy that is created between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment. These words from professor and author Brene Brown define my approach to life and how I like to interact with others. This year has proven that we need to be telling and sharing more diverse and impactful stories and that we all need to be listening to them. When division and isolation become the norm and empathy and unity seem further away, we as humans need to all become storytellers, weavers of narrative who entertain, educate, and most importantly, engage in the diverse, vast, and complex experiences of life. Life and loss life and love, life and home, life and every single thing, big and small, renewing and concluding that shapes our world. I believe in stories and their ability to change and grow into something beyond the teller's experience. I believe that hearing the stories of others allows us to learn new truths about ourselves. I believe that the stories we share as part of this podcast will do just that, and hopefully even more. For our premiere season, this podcast will spotlight a few brave and bold souls who have lived with substance misuse and want to share their true stories with us all. It is our hope that by hearing 100% true, first-hand experiences, we can work towards destigmatizing these all-too-common experiences that occur in nearly every community across the world. Welcome, listener, and thank you for joining us. My name is Tinye Verkaitis, and I am the co-producer of this podcast, and this is Life and Substance Misuse. episode, we're thrilled to welcome, well, I have to start over. I don't know what the hell that was. (laughs) All right. For our first episode, we're thrilled to welcome to the podcast, Alison LaRussa. For as far back as she can remember, Alison has been an artist, be it drawing, painting, writing, or a multitude of other art forms. She has been a creator. For the last four years, she has worked in the mental health and drug and alcohol field utilizing art therapy throughout Northeast Pennsylvania. The next voice you hear will be Allison telling her own story in her own words. Okay, so I remember my first drink. It was um, senior year of high school. Um, I felt totally free. I felt totally comfortable. I felt um, something indescribable and euphoric. Um, Compared to most teenagers, I was late to the game with alcohol and played sports most of high school. I was very creative. I was focused and determined to pursue soccer in college. Little did I know the same girl, just having fun drinking at parties every weekend, just like everyone else, would suffer from a heroin addiction seven years later. I grew up in a home with both parents. I had three siblings. 
We moved frequently place to place and struggled to make ends meet. Just like any other family, we had strife and obstacles to face. And since I was fairly young, I never quite felt like I fit in. I knew I was different. I was very expressive. And not everyone was always accepting of this. I believe this is where I began to develop a low sense of self-worth, which would later manifest itself into addiction. When I was 14, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. My entire life was severely altered. I became more and more distant from others. Sports became difficult. I couldn't focus in school. And I felt sort of like an outcast at that time. Between high school and college, I had an experience where I was drugged and raped at a party. And after that experience, I continued to drink more and more. Um, I suppressed a lot of pain and suffering from that experience through alcohol. Um, I was then accepted into college with a scholarship playing soccer. And things were seeming to turn around and be a little bit better in my life. Um, my first year of college was incredible. I was on the starting lineup as a freshman. I was having fun every weekend, hanging out at parties, and I felt more social and more alive, or so I thought. Fast forward to the following year where I would tear my ACL and MCL on my knee, putting an end to my soccer career. I had surgery and was in recovery for a few months. I was prescribed painkillers and started to notice I enjoyed the feeling they were giving me. After that recovery, I moved to New York City to finish school. I was introduced to cocaine. I was studying fashion design, and everyone wanted to be thin, have energy, and look the part. The drinking became heavier, the drugs more frequent. After all, I was still maintaining good grades, so I wasn't really hurting anyone. Or so I thought. A few months later, from one toxic relationship to the next, I would end up in the psychiatric unit after a suicide attempt. I really wasn't sure of who I was anymore. Everything was always hazy. I would black out for days. I would become violent and act irrationally. I detached myself from the world around me. I moved back home and I found out I needed surgery again. This time an ovarian cyst that was possibly cancer. I was only 21 at the time. I went back on painkillers and a long road to recovery. The more I swallowed them, the more I felt invincible. This was the beginning to my heroin addiction. I continued to spiral out of control and each painkiller I took, my tolerance plateaued. I started to snort pills, and I remember thinking to myself, you know, you'll never shoot them. And here I was a few months later doing heroin intravenously. I completely lost myself. I made many mistakes. I stole from friends, family, strangers, lied endlessly to the ones I loved, and hurt anyone in my path. My moral compass was completely non-existent. Trips to the hospital, infections, abscesses, no care to my physical body or anyone around me. I overdosed and a few hours later continued to do more drugs. Treatment after treatment, even being in jail, did not stop me from that high. Whatever I needed to do to obtain the drug, I would do it. April 20th, 2012, I remember this day vividly. I was on my way to White Deer Run. I was in the backseat getting high for the last time. I couldn't get out of the car. I just kept thinking, what will my life be like now? Will I get it right this time? How will I live without drugs and the warm comfort it gave me for so many years? Drugs continued to fill the void within myself that I did not want to confront. Not yet. This disease stops at nothing and is truly ruthless. I've attended too many funerals to count on my two hands. I've seen the damage firsthand to not only the addict, but to the families and loved ones. I've seen many lives torn apart. 
Addiction never sleeps and it affects each and every one of us in some way. I'm so deeply grateful I got out of that car. However uncomfortable each day can be, I continue to face them with courage and resilience. I want to live. I want to be me. Working in the drug and alcohol field doing art therapy allows me to help others and show the world my creativity and my expression and know I'm beautiful just as I am. I continue to speak my truth and bring awareness to this disease to release any stigma attached. I evolve each waking day. I've found beautiful ways to express my sorrows. I've found crying is not weak, nor is talking about your worries and fears. In fact, it's incredibly strong. I've learned it's never too late to get your life back. People forgive and you will forgive yourself too. Help one another and support each other. Through my journey of in sobriety of eight and a half years, I was granted hope I never knew possible. So, Allison, thank you for sharing your story. Um, it sounds like you had a number of different obstacles that you had to deal with in order to get to your recovery. Um, and what's interesting about your story in comparison to some others is that you had these external obstacles, right? Like, it's not like you just make it, kept making the same bad decisions, but there were external obstacles as well. So I'm just curious, um, you talk about how drinking and using drugs helped you not deal with things that you didn't want to face. And I'm just curious to know in your recovery, how did you go about facing those things you didn't want to face? And I'm guessing this is the second half of the question that this might be an ongoing process yeah so i utilize a lot of art in my recovery that has been my saving grace um i've done therapy i've done acupuncture i've done yoga um, trying to get in touch with my spiritual side has really been helpful mm -hmm. but a lot of the creative um Forms have been really, really beneficial in helping me process trauma and process painful emotions. What made you feel like white deer run was going to be the time that worked? Because as you're telling your story, you talk about being in the backseat of the car, and I can just picture that image, and saying that you weren't sure you were going to be able to get out of the car and complete this process. But when you talk about other times that you've attempted treatment, you didn't say anything about that feeling of possibility, I guess, maybe a feeling of hope. Do you think it was different than other times? And if so, why? Um, it's really funny because um, as I'm saying in the backseat, I was not getting out of the car and my mom was like, you're not coming home with me, so get out of the car. <laughs> so I feel like that push Mm -hmm. from my family like I felt like I had to get it right and not put them through any more suffering in a sense mm -hmm. I think I'm glad you brought up your mom because that was actually going to be my next question was how did your family support you through recovery and even prior to the moment when she basically told you get out the car you're not coming home yeah, my family has always been super supportive. I mean, we have a lot of addiction in our family, so they kind of know the process and how everything goes. But they have been, honestly, if I didn't have my family, I 
probably would be dead right now. So they have been a huge blessing and support to me. It sounds like you move pretty quickly from opioids to heroin. I know this isn't the case for everyone, but in your case, it seemed to be a pretty straight line. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what it felt like? So back when I was prescribed painkillers, I feel like it was very easy to get prescribed them. Um, And nowadays it's very difficult. There's not as much of opiates being prescribed because of, I think, because of addiction in general. But um, I've, I've noticed working in the field, too, a lot of people start off with surgeries, injuries, being prescribed opiates, maybe starting to enjoy the feeling, maybe starting to feel good from them and euphoric, and they start to progress then from from painkillers to, you know, to heroin eventually at some point. So who would you say Allison is now, if you had to describe her in four words, let's say? Four words. Um, I'd say just a never-ending creative process. That's beautiful. I like it. That leaves room for growth and change. And I love the fact that you say creative process, seeing as how you're also a creative person. Um, can you also just share a little bit what it's been like to work with others? Um, I do know a few people that are CRSs, uh, and I know that that process can be interesting, sometimes maybe slightly triggering, but I would assume it's also rewarding. Honestly, I've been in the field about five years now, and it really keeps me accountable. It really helps me. The clients I have inspire me to grow and to flourish within myself. So there, there were a few triggers and there can be, I think, in the beginning when you're working in the field. But I think overall, the experience that I've had has been incredibly uplifting and inspiring and just a really bright light to my future, to be honest. And if there was someone listening right now who feels like they're not sure that they could take that step to recovery, what would your advice be to them? I feel like now more than ever, I mean, people are overdosing and dying daily. And they're, I mean, recovery is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's so amazing to experience life without substances and with clarity and with peace. And I just, I encourage anyone to take that step because it's important to find who you are in life and to find out, you know, why, what's your purpose and what's your meaning here. And through, through addiction, it's very hard to find that. Thank you, Allison. And of course, I wish you the most luck on the rest of your creative journey. Thank you. Thanks to Allison for sharing her truth, and thank you to all our listeners for sharing your time with us. This podcast and its impactful stories can only grow with your help. Please subscribe, share, and review Life and on whatever platform you prefer to listen on. 
be it iTunes, Spotify, or any other site. Your support means a great deal. Special thanks to Park Multimedia and Scranton Fringe for their collaboration on this podcast. Until next time, listeners, remember to breathe and make time for stories, yours and others.